I'm Rechard Freiberg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 133, for the week starting 15 September 2015. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, where you'll find South Africa's best technology journalism. That's right, Duncan. No headlines like massive this or massive that. <laughs> no, the word massive is only used by screechy red tops. Or should that be blue tops? <laughs> On Talk Central this week, we talk about the Big Apple keynote. Also this week, we chat about the expanding VOD wars in South Africa, see how Bonga Toilets promised to fix the telecoms department, telecoms 1 million fiber homes, and progress on broadband spectrum allocation. Well, that's a lot. But before we get to it, uh, we need to pay the bills. We'll be back in just a moment. The Vox Telecom Cloud is the future of business. Developed from the ground up, it's a turnkey, fully managed approach to the cloud. It offers you guaranteed support, a national network with true redundancy, fully managed services across all layers, and most importantly, a single point of accountability. The Vox Telecom Cloud. It's how cloud should be. To find out more about the Vox Telecom Cloud, SMS your name to 45454 or visit voxtelecom.co.za. Standard rate supply. Well, welcome to the show. Hi, Richard. How's it, Duncan? Good, thanks. So there's a lot to get to, so let's let's dive straight into it. Um, it. Did you watch the Apple keynote? I did, I did, and it was uh, much of what we expected from the rumors we, we saw, but it was still nice to see these things come to fruition, and uh, I guess we're all quite happy to see uh, iPad Pro in the mix, but uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I, I saw a lot of comments on people on Twitter. I didn't actually follow the watch the keynote this time around. I, I just, just kind of... Put watch the, a couple of live blogs and watch the comment on, on comments on Twitter and a lot of people expressing a bit of disappointment in uh, the fact that um, Apple has become a bit boring, um, you know, kind of predictable in what it's doing, very iterative in terms of the new iPhone. But I mean, that's what we've we've come to expect in in, in recent years. I mean, you know, this is, you know, apart from the watch, mm. um, which which everyone was expecting anyway, um, you know, Apple has become. Um, isn't about revolutionary products anymore they're um well they've never really been they've always kind of been lagging with with the latest kind of trends but when they brought out a product they seem to perfect bring out yeah bring out the right version for that time um and and i, I guess we've kind of become spoilt as consumers as well to expect something every year or every two year cycles from companies like apple when you know the iPhone six and iPhone six plus works very well, I mean, phones, yeah. they they are superb devices. Uh, just enhancing them where needed, bringing those new technologies. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I'm ha- I'm a happy consumer for those. I wouldn't necessarily be upgrading, but um, it's also good to know that I won't have to uh, feel obliged to upgrade because there's this new phone out mm. that uh, that that's a new iteration. That's true. Yeah, but um, you know, if you're still on an older iPhone five or five S, then uh, this is obviously a great upgrade path. Oh, definitely, um, definitely. Especially if on the still on that small iPhone five screen. Mm. But a lot of people prefer it. Uh, I mean, I know some people that won't upgrade to the new iPhone six, even though they can. They yeah. just prefer the old, so they get another iPhone five S or, or yeah. just keep the old one. Yeah. I guess uh, in time, those kind of people will upgrade because you know they have to. You, you see the benefit <laughs> of a larger screen. But yeah, yeah. But the iPhone, f- um, I mean, that, the the six, the standard six, not the plus, is is, is a small phone. I mean, it's not. Uh, Certainly in the Android world, it's uh, by Android standards, it's, yeah. it's pretty small. It is, it yeah. is. Yeah. And that's, but it, it, for many people, it hits the sweet spot. It just comes down to personal preference. Mm. Um, but yeah, with the, with the new iPhones bringing in, um, you know, that force touch, what's that 3D touch? 3D touch, yeah. 
interesting. Yeah, I mean, that was the biggest advancement in the iPhone this year, but mm. um, it's something you can't really um, pr- give a view on until you've actually had a chance to play with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it looks cool. I mean, from the demos, it looks pretty cool. Um, but um, the proof will be in the pudding, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> what you actually use it for. Um, the iPad Pro, I think, was the more interesting announcement. Um, Very much. Some people have uh, joked on Twitter, um, uh, Apple has just invented the Microsoft Surface. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, kind of an expensive device, if you think about it, especially if you buy the Apple Pencil, um, and Steve Jobs must be spinning in his grave over that one, mm. and uh, the keyboard, $179 for a keyboard, really. Uh <laughs> yeah, but I think this is now this is going to give a very a, a, a niche part of the market the opportunity to move away from MacBook completely and have a device. And, and I'm thinking of a graphic designer or a des, or a creative person that doesn't require necessarily all the world's computing power. Yeah. Or maybe maybe for traveling or maybe for going out on a on a, a whatever you want to call it a, a project excursion. Yeah. yeah. Um, just to have that device to be able to do it. I, th- I think it's interesting enough to warrant that segment in the market. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a big seller for my. Microsoft Net Pin with this. Uh, I've heard a lot of yeah, yeah for Apple. Sorry, what did I say? <laughs> Microsoft. Microsoft. I meant for Apple. Um, but uh, I've seen a lot of good comments uh, from uh, American journalists who were speaking, who, who were actually at the event trying out the tablet yeah. um, and and the pen, and they say it's it's much better than the best Wacom they've used. Oh right. And I think that says a lot. Okay. You know, you know those Wacom no, tablets. It's definitely were, a market, then. It's not it's not a tiny market either. Um, it'd be interesting to see what impact this has on Microsoft Surface sales because Surface has been doing quite well actually in the states. Yeah, but uh, I've never I've never really thought the operating system was where it should be. Where yeah. you can w- possibly argue that the iPad's operating system is very good for mm. for its intended purpose. Yes. Um, yes, Microsoft has always been lagging a bit in that department. I just hope they catch up with Windows 10. You know, make mm. that the operating system it should have been, and then Surface, in my opinion, will become a true competitor to something like the iPad Pro. But yeah, I mean the proof the proof in the pudding again will be the apps. Um, you know, mm. I mean you you on this you you probably don't want to run cut down apps of desktop apps. You probably want the f- you want something akin to the full version of Photoshop on this device, for example. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I suppose the question is is the is the is this um, tablet powerful enough in terms of its hardware configuration to run something like full Photoshop? Well, if they can design apps that speaks to that hardware configuration specifically, and mm. there's no wasted uh, you know wa- no wasted lines of code. Yeah. I think it's possible. They did show a demo of, or Apple did show a demo of an app that they're going to be launching soon that will allow you to, to do CAD-style drawings just using the pen. So, right. you know, the, the application it takes the, the sketch information and turns it into actual uh, CAD lines or right. CAD points. And it, it seems interesting enough. It seems powerful enough to run that software. Yeah. I guess we'll have to see how it does with stuff, something like Adobe, which is notoriously power-hungry. Yeah, indeed, especially <laughs> when you're editing large um, video or image files. Oh, yeah. But uh, interesting one. For me, the biggest uh, um, news out of the um, this year's keynote, or the September keynote, was the um, enhancements to the Apple TV product, um, and specifically the integration of a microphone and Siri into the remote control, which I think is very cool. Yes, and they've also turned this into a gaming device now, so now you can yeah. play your 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 iTunes games at least. Yeah, yeah. That that to me is a is a biggie. Yeah, and start of the start of Apple's perhaps move into the into the video gaming market. I mean, they've got the platform, they've got the mm. the consumers. Mm. It's just giving them another outlet to enjoy some like Angry Birds yeah. in front of a screen with yeah. with a family around yeah. you. It's, yeah. But the integration of Siri, I think, is is pretty cool. It's, um, you know, I forget what the what the exact phrase they used in, during the keynote was, but, you know, I think it was what what did what did he say or what did she say? Yes, and then yes. It goes back fifteen seconds, so you can 
rewatch it. I mean, that's that happens so often when you're watching a movie or something. Like, what was that? Yes, and okay. it can also bring up the closed captions for that, so you can actually read what she said as opposed oh, right, to right, yeah, just listening. Yeah, if yeah. you can't understand the voice, it's yeah. very clever. Yeah, and but, the, and the, the, sorry, sorry, carry on. And the amplification of everything. I mean, obviously we've under, we know that that's what Apple does, but bringing it to the TV as a full-on, uh, you know, and this is the platform for TV now. Mm. With their weight behind it, I think we're going to see a lot of other guys Coming, either yeah. trying to embed something like this in their device, maybe, maybe a, you know, specific ports for the Apple TV mm. to connect to because it's becoming its own platform. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and Microsoft and and, and Google no doubt follow, and Amazon. Amazon's also got a voice assistant now. Oh, yeah. I forget what it's called. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. And I think that um, this is a perfect application for, for um, a voice assistant. Mm. Because, you know, using a remote control to um, interface with the web on a TV is, is not a pleasant experience. Um, the last thing you want to be doing is sitting there trying to type in, using the remote control to try and type in, you know, letters on an on-screen keyboard or something mm. like that. Mm. Being able to talk to your TV... Um, is much better and, and the application is almost endless and, and, and Siri and its competitors from Google and Microsoft uh, and others and Facebook as well has announced a, a voice assistant called yeah. M uh, you know they, they've become they're, they're pretty good now and um, you know I think that if you want to control your TV from your couch you're more likely to want to speak to it than have to um, press a confusing number of buttons or, or try and work with an on-screen keyboard mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. say to it search the web for Tech Central and you know it pops on the podcast yeah. 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 yeah the remote also has this touchpad built in which I think you know again look at how Apple has taken a, something like the, the small remote and just made it a little bit more functional because mm. with well, that obviously comes the, the, the gaming side of it but mm. you know being able to scroll left and right where you need to yeah yeah, no, that's the look and feel of it yeah it's pretty cool pretty cool so I mean I think that's that was the most exciting thing out of this year's keynote well, and which was admittedly a rather dull keynote <laughs> <laughs> a two hour keynote was it two hours yeah, I think it was about two hours two and a half hours maybe good grief yeah they used to be a lot tighter weren't they? I mean when Steve Jobs originally started doing these keynotes I seem to recall they were 45 minutes to an hour yeah, yeah. also let's not forget that Steve Jobs in one of the early keynotes for the iPhone, I think when he launched the iPhone, he said, "Who needs a stylus?" Yes, remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is hence him spinning in his yeah. over the pencil. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> anyway, enough of Apple for this podcast. Let's move on to talk about Spectrum. And finally, there's some uh, action happening. Um, we've been waiting for years for uh, the government and the regulator to get a move on with allocating Spectrum in both the digital dividend bands and at 2.6 gigahertz and the operators desperately need access to the spectrum and finally we've got some movement um, although be it not from government um, but from the regulator which has published uh, something called an information memorandum which is quite a detailed document setting out exactly how they intend to allocate the spectrum um, principally by means of um, an auction um, which is an interesting move because we haven't done as far as I know we haven't done spectrum auctions in South Africa before certainly previous uh, spectrum allocations to the mobile operators uh, were done um, on a beauty contest basis and they simply had to pay a, 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 a fee for access I, th- I think it was something tiny that the mobile operators paid for their 3G spectrum if I recall correctly I think see, I, I stand to be correct but I think MTN and, and Vodacom paid 5 million rand each for their 3G allocation Jeez. which in the scheme of things is absolutely is peanuts yeah nothing um, but we're going for a spectrum auction this time around um, depending how many bidders there are it could, uh, could get quite expensive uh, so They've set out this document, this information memorandum, um, in anticipation of government publishing its final policy on high-demand spectrum, which, by the way, the communications or the telecommunications minister, Sia Bogotmele, has promised 
uh, will be finished and published by within the next six months, by the end of March next year, which is good news. Let's see, it. Let's see if it actually happens, because politicians, of course, <laughs> well known for making promises and not delivering on them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, he, he seems to be um, quite bullish about getting that policy out now and, and actually fixing some of the mess in that department. But um, so ECOS has published this document and they're looking to, um, they've set out how they intend to um, allocate spectrum in both the 7 and 800 megahertz bands, those are the digital dividend bands uh, that will be freed up through digital TV migration. And also the 2.6 gigahertz band, which is a huge chunk of spectrum, uh, basically running all the way from 2,500 megahertz to 2,690 megahertz. So 190 megahertz of spectrum at 2.6. And um, a couple of uh, potentially contentious things in, in, in this document, which isn't final yet, it's still open to public comment. Uh, but um, probably the most contentious thing is that they've said that uh, prospective users of the digital dividend spectrum um, will have to pay for the free distribution of digital set-top boxes uh, to households. Um, now, I'm, I'm not sure how happy the telecommunications operators are going to be about subsidizing set-top boxes for another industry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> seems a bit messy. I mean, they've, they've argued in the past that, that they, their contributions to the Universal Service Fund have pr primarily... Uh, you know, the the, the the Universal Service Fund is primarily made up of contributions from the telecommunications operators, mm. and the and the telecoms operators have objected in the past to that Universal Service Fund being used to f subsidize set-top boxes. Yeah. They believe it should be used to provide services, telecom services in underserviced areas, um, which seems like a fair argument. Yeah. Um, um, so I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some objection, at least, to this proposal that um, some of the proceeds of the auctions uh, are used to fund uh, fund. fund um, uh, subsidies uh, for uh, set-top boxes, but um, <clears throat> what's very interesting is that um, is that Casa hasn't um, actually. Well, the, the the section of the document is very badly worded, so it's not possible to tell from the document whether Casa is intending that um, these the subsidy um, the free set-top boxes. Um, will be available to everyone, not just the poorer households, or whether it's only going to be for poorer households. Unfortunately, that sec section of the document is very badly worded, so we're going to need some clarity from ICASA on that one. Um, but it's positive, I think, that ICASA is finally moving ahead um, with this, and it's probably an indication that the politicians are also um, are also getting ready, and the bureaucrats at the Department of Telecoms are, are getting closer to releasing that final policy, which ICASA needs to to um, license the spectrum. But they provided an extraordinary amount of detail here. Um, they talked about, for example, about how the auction is going to work. They're going to use something called a simultaneous multi-round ascending auction. Um, and um, they're creating lot categories or lots of spectrum uh, for which um, for which uh, operators are going to bid. Um, you know, the problem with these auctions, I guess, is that before they happen, there's the opportunity for all sorts of... Um, Deal making behind the scenes and yeah, trade open itself to a lot of that, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the temptation to to for the for collusion between the operators. Hey, hey, we'll bid for this if you bid for that, and don't bid for this, and don't push the price up on that. Uh, I think there's a huge opportunity for that behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that I think it's important that um, that the media actually keeps a very close eye on this whole process, um, and that the whole thing is done in an, in an incredibly transparent way. Because the last thing we we need is for backhanders and for collusion between industry players mm. and and you know all sorts of that's all sorts of nefarious uh, activities behind the scenes. But this is the sort of thing, not just in South Africa but around the world, has lent itself to that sort of um, collusive behaviour.
Yeah, let's just hope we get access to this low-end spectrum so that we can all benefit from the the services, or at least the, uh, the the quality of services. Exactly. I mean, this this spectrum is what's going to allow South Africa to really bridge the digital divide and get mm. and get LTE into the rural areas. The other proposal, um, which I actually wrote about in a column um, some m- months ago after a discussion with one of the operators, uh, they they they're um, proposing that um, they adopt the uh, model adopted in Germany, where operators who wanted spectrum and the digital dividend were required to provide coverage in less populated areas before they were able to use it in more populated areas. In other words, start mm. from the outside mm. in and move in. So provide rural coverage first and then provide coverage in the cities. And that incentivizes the operators to build quickly because they want to get yes, to the cities. Yes, so they yes. quickly build the rural areas uh, and, then, and then come into the cities. So that, that's, a, that's a good thing. Yeah. That's a, it's an interesting proposal. So a very interesting document, well worth a, a read-through. It's available on the ACASA website, and the pieces, um, the summary, our summary of it is obviously available on Tech Central. But um, I think kudos to ACASA for, um, for publishing this document. And, and finally, we're starting to see some action in this area, which has been, which should have happened, let's be frank, years ago. Yeah, I know, definitely. I mean, let, let's hope this happens without too much... Too much controversy, please. <laughs> you almost, it's almost guaranteed to be mm. controversial. It's almost guaranteed something's going to happen. Anyway, at least we'll, we'll, at least we'll be getting fiber before then. So that's a good thing. <laughs> Indeed. Anyway, um, uh, controversy is good for the media, so yeah. we'll uh, keep an eye on it. <laughs> um, very interesting. Uh, uh, what's happening in the video on demand space at the moment? Um, it seems yeah. like barely a week goes by now without a new player coming into the market. This this week, for example, later this week, is the launch of a new service from um, from PCCW, which is the glo- global uh, arm of Hong Kong Telecom. Uh, we don't know the details yet. They're going to be launching uh, later this week, uh, uh, presumably a, another competitor to the likes of Show- Showmax, which was launched a few weeks ago from Naspass. But um, let's count them now. How many do we have in this market? We've got the PCCW offering. We've got um, MTS, MTS front, front Row. We've got Naspass's Showmax. We've got Times Media Group's Vidi. Vidi. Who am I missing? Uh, the unofficial users of Netflix. Well, Netflix is coming next year. Then the rumor is they're coming early next year, so that's that's five. Um, and Orange has announced that they're coming to market with the service. That's oh, six. Yes. Six players that have launched or announced intentions to launch in the space of a few months. It's quite interesting. We saw we saw a similar thing with the the audio streaming services last year as well. Within a span of a year or two, yeah. there was seven or eight, I think. I don't know how many of them are still surviving. They're all here still, I think. I mean, Deezer's here. They work through Vodacom. Um, radio is is here. Um, amazingly, they're still sixty rand a month, despite the mm. fact that the rand has probably fallen by fifty percent in the last year. Um, hope that Simfi Africa, I still use Sim, them. Simfi still going. Um, they, they, they're working through a company of, owned by Prime Media, if I recall. Um, who else? I mean, the big guys are not here. Spotify is not here. Apple mm. Music is mm. launched here. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're all still going, as far as I know. It's interesting. Uh, yeah. Is, there, is, is it really is the market really big enough for all of these guys, especially if we're looking at the video players? I don't know. I mean, it's a kind of a global market, so maybe I mean these are all global players. Yeah. So maybe they um, maybe they just feel they have to be here, even if it's a loss making. This market is loss making for them. Mm. It's mm. not really uh, that important. Maybe they just feel they need to be in all, all the markets. And didn't MPN announce that they're going to zero rate front row? They did. Data. They I mean, did. that to me that's is significant. That's, that's where it's a big. That's huge. Now that's you start huge. differentiating yourself for some interesting things. That's very very interesting. Yeah, VD's got something similar. I forget how it works. They've got some sort of some sort of scheme where they pay for your data. Oh, yes, they do pay for I some f- of your bandwidth. Some of your bandwidth. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how that works, but. Um, 
But uh, yeah, for, uh, MTN has announced that they're going to zero rate. No, <laughs> yeah, that must be a loss maker for them doing that. But I wonder they can't give Afriost enough data. Cheap <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I mean, so we've got all these players. I think Showmax is probably the leading contender right now. Um, simply because the amount of money they've put into that operation and mm. the last pass behind them, mm. um, but, but in, you know, interesting market, and maybe they all will all survive. Maybe the maybe the maybe you know maybe you don't have to have a, millions of customers to be yeah. successful in yeah. the VOD market. It'll be interesting to see how how uh, how multi choices numbers are dropping, or if they are dropping in in, in relation to the launch of these new mm. services. Uh, I know a few people that's recently over the last six months have cancelled their DSTV subscription yeah. and moved over to, uh, you know, streaming streaming of some sorts, whether it is Netflix or, you know, a lot of them have taken up some of these local services. Yeah. Uh, do you use any of these, uh, the, the South African? I've been using Showmax. Um, and how have you found the content? No, it's fine. It's, it's it got everything well. you need. It works well. I mean, my, my, my DSL line is a bit. Uh, 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 a bit spotty um, so I, I had a bit of buffering issues and stuff but um, I've, I've since moved to a foster connection and it's um, it's fine it works well it's it's a good product mm, and the quality quality of the streams it's fine it's, it's fine it's nice HD it's HD it's, I think it's 720p uh, that's fine I mean DSTV is in, in mm. 1080i which is basically 720p uh, quality um, it's uh, you know it's good it's good and um I think the comp, comp it's a good price too, ninety nine bucks a month, and I think the the competition, um, the the level of competition in the space is is good news for consumers because I think the prices are going to oh, stay definitely, low. Definitely, definitely, yeah, and, and yeah. there's real competition between the providers to to offer um, the best content. Mm. Um, what would be interesting is to see is who's going to go, f- who's, who's which is going to be the first player to launch live television yeah. over streaming because uh, there's an obvious opportunity here to offer sport. Mm. Yeah, sport. If uh, but those those, it needs to get get to a point where those contracts for the sport broadcasting gets uh, renewed, and then we need somebody with deep enough pockets, one mm. of these players, to say, okay, no, no, we're gonna. But isn't this what ESPN did? And uh, all these um, uh, ESPN and and the, the hockey, they've taken over a lot of the broadcasting themselves because yeah. they want to keep it close to their chest. So yeah. I mean, now you have. I, don't know, I guess rugby unions or, or these uh, you know rugby championship type uh, yeah. organisations that yeah. uh, sell the rights to an online player that could be mm. interesting. Yeah, ESPN is an interesting one. I mean, um, I, I think it's feasible at some point that that a regulator is going to force multi choice to unbundle SuperSport. Mm. Um, they're not never they will never do it of their own volition. Uh, ESPN is an independent company and they sell to all the other broadcasters in the US. Um, that's their business model. If SuperSport was cut free, SuperSport a separate should company, become that. I mean, they should sell their content to others to other providers, mm-hmm. but MultiChoice won't do that because it's mm-hmm. it's um, you know it's, I guess like, I guess it's the broadcasting equivalent of what we call vert- vertically integrated monopolies in the yeah. telco industry. Um, it's not it's not in their interest to to unbundle SuperSport, um, and it would probably take regulatory intervention for it to happen. Yeah, yeah. But I, there's certainly going to be a time where this is going to pivot and. Uh, the bouquet style of multi-choices uh, satellite offering may not be as lucrative it was, as what it once was and the market mm. will be a lot more uh, particular about how they want to consume media. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, this is going to force multi-choice to up its game as well. Yeah. And DSTV, I mean, it's, sure, the DSTV premium product is an expensive product, but it's also a great offering um, for what you get, especially if you enjoy sport. They have improved a lot over recent years, especially with the, the introduction of the immediate from the US yeah. type of show. And they've got lots of HG, HD channels now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it must be two dozen HD channels now on DSTV Premium. 
uh, and they've got great content. They've got the latest content, up-to-date content. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think those, these uh, VOD competitors are going to force them to, to be even smarter. Because, I mean, what, they are the sixth of the price almost in, in many cases? Yeah, it's less than. But An super eighth of the price, actually. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But Supersport, I mean, a lot of people have already publicly said that, well, I mean, they don't voiced their opinion that they will pay a premium for Supersport oh. just to have that on its own. Yeah, you know? and a lot of people don't want Supersport. Yeah, well, exactly. And have so, to pay for it. <laughs> precisely. Yeah. And they've already does it, they already have delivered that kind of service over there with their DSTV online offering. So if you're a subscriber, you can log in online and view your sport online. Yes. Um, if you're not close to your Dakota, so yeah, so yeah. they got they can do it. It's yeah. just a matter of finding the right pricing model and saying mm, mm. charge a premium. I mean, we know Apple gets away with it. <laughs> yeah, people will do it. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. watch the VOD wars as they unfold. It's getting very interesting indeed. Um, the other big announcement I just want to touch on briefly because it's been over a week now since it, the announcement was made. But um, a very interesting announcement at the annual Satnac conference from Telcom, uh, which I attended uh, at Hermanus last uh, week, early last week. And that was a speech delivered by uh, the company's CEO, Sipo Maseko, who announced that uh, Telcom is going to roll out fiber past one million fiber homes yeah. in the next two and a half years. Very aggressive rollout target. Um, though it must be emphasized this is... Um, past homes not into homes um, presumably what he means is that um, you'll have the capability to take a, fi a fiber service um, if you're one of those million homes uh, by March 2018 which is the deadline he set himself um, I asked him whether he was being too ambitious after the presentation and he said um, he doesn't believe he is being a, a too ambitious and in fact they think they may even exceed that target um, so quite aggressive move from oh. Telcom and I think they've perhaps finally woken up to the fact that they're losing neighborhoods that are increasing mm. clip to their competition and they need to do something about it um, they say this is an effective doubling of their investment in f um, fiber to the home uh, and would they be offering these open access so a provider like uh, in inverted commas yes okay. so it'll be on a wholesale basis so you like their DSL works at the moment so you can get your internet uh, service from any ISP you want Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. As long as I think the, the enabling of the fiber is very important, and the more people get access to it, the better it is for yeah. everybody. Yeah. Without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I wish them luck. Uh, the more fiber mm. in the ground, the the better. Um, but um, I, th I think they've they've realised that they're facing a very significant challenge from these startup guys, and this is before the big mobile operators really start to kick into gear because they, mm. you know, Vodacom and MTN also have big plans in the fiber to the home market. They're just taking quite a long time to get started, yeah, I think, because yeah. they're big bureaucracies. Um, and they ultimately probably will be the bigger challenges to, to Telcom, not the startup guys. I think I think companies like Vumatel and um, and the other Link Africa and, and some of the smaller mm. startup type fiber businesses are probably going to get bought out by the big operators at some point. Yeah, probably. Uh, I probably. wouldn't be surprised if the, in 12 to 18 months from now, Telcom announces it's buying Vumatel. Because those guys have started securing a lot of the, the Luke of uh, suburbs and, uh, yeah. and or, or business parks and exactly. industries. Exactly. Um, <laughs> they're, um, and they're, they're branching out. They're not just doing the parks anymore. They're, um, I mean, I see Vumatel has announced that they're going to be um, deploying fiber in um, Olivedale. Nice. Um, so they're, they're, moving, they're moving out of those um, really high-end areas around... Uh, I actually oh, saw some guys as I was driving in this morning on the corner. They were they were marking off, uh, and this is for fiber. They were marking off uh, the sub the the curbs. Okay. What they do is obviously they they need to get the distances for how to lay the fiber. Oh, interesting. I know MTN is planning a deployment in this area according to their map. Oh, maybe that's so maybe it, it be, was them. Yeah, could be yeah. MTN, or perhaps it's 
Perhaps it's telecom. Um, anyway, let's chat off to, off to the show about that. We need to get some more information here. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Um, I think that wraps up the news for this week. Um, so let's move on to our regular features. Um, our winner this week, I think, um, I think for, for a change, uh, they don't often get uh, kudos. <laughs> uh, we'll give it to them this week, and that's ICASA for this document that they've published, this detailed document on how they intend to um, uh, auction off the uh, access to the broadband spectrum. Um, they're uh, clearly showing that they're ready to to re- ready ready to rock and roll as soon as the final policy from uh, government comes, which has been promised by the end of March next year. So, um, well done to Icasa for uh, having the initiative to uh, publish this document ahead of time. We don't have a loser this week, so let's move yeah, straight on to on. our <laughs> picks of the week. What have you got this week? Um, I've, there's an app that I've been using a lot recently, and uh, we actually did a did a feature on them last year when they launched. Uh, it's an app called Appetite. Um, but I haven't used it uh, much after we wrote that article and, and just over the last six months had a lot of opportunity to use it and it's been performing very well and I've never had a day's worth of issue with it and a lot of restaurants in my area actually in, in most areas seem to be taking them up now well, I've seen the, I see their, their little, um, what are they little cardboard, little cardboard posters thing on, on, yeah, yeah. on the counters at restaurants all over the place now I mean what's quite strange is I, I used to think that there was a lot of the food delivery apps out there you know but there actually isn't you know yeah. Mr. Delivery is one but they don't really have a decent enough app yeah. um, and they're not as well integrated into all of these guys um, where some th- and, and also they're third party where Appetite works directly with the restaurant yeah. you know something like Mr. Delivery just picks up and delivers in that yeah. charge yeah. Um, but what I like is obviously they've got a very nice selection of restaurants so it knows where you are and it finds the restaurants closest to you so even if you just use it to kind of see what's, what's around you but you can obviously pay online um, and get the guys to deliver some don't take online credit card payments so they you have to pay cash when they deliver okay. or you can just simply uh, place an order and go pick it up so when I decide to go to the shop to get something else I can place an order and by the time I get there um, it works well okay notifications are very good as we well. get notified when the, the order has been delivered I, I've never had a problem where there's been a disconnect in communication which is something that can happen from time to time if you work with these takeaway restaurants yeah um, but yeah I like it I think it works very well so if you, if you haven't tried it yet certainly check it out it's called appetite.ca.za um, the design I think could do a little bit of work it's a bit old school in, in an in yeah. app look and feel what's their business model do they charge a commission on, on delivery or so no they, they charge um, a com- well, the restaurant pays a percentage to of, them okay. to them yeah yeah so I mean so the price you see is the price you pay yeah yeah there's no I mean you may have to pay an extra delivery charge if the restaurant decides to do a delivery charge a lot of restaurants say within uh, 5k's it's free yeah. and more than that you can pay 10-15 rand yeah. so it's it's all part of the um, you know when, once you go into uh, it's not open for business Okay, but you can if you go into a restaurant you can see that guy says under 5 kilometers 20 rand mm-hmm. um, so you'll just pay extra for that yeah. but the money goes to the restaurant you pay the restaurant right um an appetite just a facilitator, which is which okay. is quite so nice. they take like a two percent or three percent cut. Yeah, something like okay. that, depending on how big the restaurant is. I can mm, take it, mm. um, but good selection always. I see you've got a lot of restaurants in your area, um, so you can either call them directly too, which is great if you want to. Oh right, yeah. Place an order, so they don't hide any information. Oh, that's good. Yeah, but I've been and, and I've placed uh, orders from restaurants that were quite far from me, well, seemingly far, and no problems. The guy just comes out and deliver and. Mm. They click to call button next to a restaurant. Is that to call the restaurant? Yeah. Oh, that's very so good. So you can, you can, like I said, well, that's you know, worth installing just to to see what's around you. What do I feel the, like? Yeah. Even if you don't use Appetite to get to fulfill the order. And you'll see a lot of places don't accept online credit cards. So I can't. So only I can mm. pay with credit. Not and that guy only delivers, but I have to pay mm. pay cash. And I've Pres- used a lot for that kind of thing. Mm. Presumably, those restaurants are also paying to be listed there. 
Um, I would imagine, but when I had the interview with them, no, they only took a percentage of it. They built oh, this it? platform around, you know, giving access to these guys. Obviously, okay. there's, there's, uh, that percentage could be a lot, I guess. Um, or I don't know if they've changed their model. I suppose if you have to pay, then not all restaurants will... will I mean, the, the model would be to have them as many restaurants as you can, have exactly. them all there. Everybody needs to be on yeah. here mm. and just use That's your platform. True. Yeah. Um, and if you charge, then not everyone is going to be there. Yeah, precisely. Mm. And there's, there's a lot of small mom-and-pop-type shops, which is what I like. There's not just a franchise on here. Yeah. Um, in my area where I live in the parks, it's or at least the restaurants in the parks. A lot of them yeah. are not French. So what's what's the nearest restaurant here? Curry Licious. Curry Licious. Well, I mean, there's two or three of them. Rock Mama's, Curry Licious. Well, you can place order right now and they take credit cards. Cool. Um, cool. Yeah, but I Curry Licious. I think I've, I think I've actually had their food before. It's not bad. Ah, so there's your lunch sorted. Sorted. Excellent. Well. Um, on that note, <laughs> um, well, what does Jeremy Clarkson say in Top Gear? On that bombshell. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to the show. If, if you have any feedback, as always, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a mail, info at techcentral.co.za. Until next time, from Rekhada and myself, cheers. Ta -ta.